Hello and welcome to episode Magnus PRV of the Cosford Pointcast. I'm your co-host Colin Cudmore, joined with me as always by my fellow co-host Trevor Shackles. Season is well underway at this point, and, well, I don't think we expected things to be much different. The Suns are now 2-6-1, and one, good for last place in the NHL, getting closer and closer every day to that sweet, sweet draft lottery. Any impressions so far on the Suns' play? I think it's pretty much exactly what we expected so far, Colin. Uh, you know, 2-6-1, and one, they're, they're dead last in the league. Uh, somehow they managed to beat the best team in the league, Tampa Bay, um, obviously not best in the league right now, but essentially the best roster. Um, but yeah, just just a you know obviously a, a pretty bad team. Um, like you're saying, closer and closer to getting that that top pick. Um, I I think even if they don't finish uh, dead last, or even if they do finish dead last, I should say sorry. Um, they'll they'll be ending up with a top four, maybe top five pick, and that is going to be a hell of a good player. So that's at least something to look forward to, and that's that's different from last season, but. Man, I, I just got to say, it's been, some games have been pretty decent. Last game against Detroit last night, uh, they had a pretty good effort, and some other games have been decently entertaining. Uh, the one in Vegas comes to mind. Um, but some of the games have just been really underwhelming, really not entertaining. And, you know, this is a team that has a lot of veterans playing, so it, it's hard to get too excited about certain games. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have a similar thoughts, uh, on the start of the season so far? I mean, I'll be honest. I've only been able to catch about half the game so far this season. And part of that's just about mm -hmm. schoolwork and us being busy, but like, it's just not as motivating to turn on a sense game at this point when you check the box yeah. score after the first period and they've already given up like 20 shots and it's like, and they're already down by two or three. And it's like, it's all part of the rebuild. And I mean, I guess it kind of shows this in the team's attendance figures as well, but it's just, uh. It's a tough team to follow when they're doing so bad. And, I mean, if you listen to our last episode, you know how low our expectations for this team were. And I'd say that they've probably they've probably met that at this point. So it will definitely take quite a lot for them to get below our expectations. But to be last place at this point is totally fine by me. If we're thinking about this in the long term, as you mentioned, um, getting that great draft pick. I mean, I've been spending more time working on, on my... Uh, on, on uh, my consolidated rankings in my draft uh, database than I have been watching and writing about the Sens this season. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's just uh, mm -hmm. really looking forward to that draft. I mean, if, if you look at how they've been so far, they've just given up way, way too many shots against. And even their offense, uh, I think I mentioned this a bit, bri bit briefly in the last one, but it's going to be tough to create offense this year with, with just uh, not having Mark Stone and Matthew Shane and... and uh, I, I, it really has shown so far. I mean, they, they have they uh, uh, they are generating generating a good amount of goals. I mean, I think they're in the middle of the pack, if I'm not mistaken. But at the same time, like they just, have, they just they just keep getting outshot, keep getting outshot. Um, defense really can't hold their own. Um, goaltending has been on and off. I mean, well, when working, you expect from goaltending, it's always going to be pretty uh, volatile. But um, yeah, uh, I guess Andres Nielsen. I guess is one player that if we want to talk about him for a second i mean he, he's he's been doing well in some games and uh pretty much yeah. got the sense i both of the he, he did he start against the lightning was, was that him uh no he hasn't actually well yeah wait did he he played last night against detroit yeah so that was his first win in the season he had lost right, the right. first three um despite his pretty high save percentage um so yeah he, he's definitely been uh pretty solid for the sense so far and despite i was advocating losses, last yeah. night for him to 
yeah, despite the losses, um, you know, he had, what did he have, like 52 saves or something? Something against, crazy, yeah. Yeah, uh, against uh, Vegas, because um, he had over 50 shots in that game, just just wild. Um, but yeah, I, I think he should definitely be the starter moving forward, even though, you know, maybe that'll hurt them for, for the tank um, <laughs> the rest of the season. But then again, I mean, they're still going to be terrible. So even if Nielsen is having like a, you know, a 915 maybe even as high as 920 save percentage, they're going to be giving up three goals because they're going to be giving <laughs> up so many shots. So his yeah. goals against average is still going to be really high. Um, I, you know, Ottawa is still going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And yeah, I just think that overall, looking at the big picture, we still want Ottawa to be finishing dead last this season so that they get the highest chances of that top pick. And I think even if they don't end up with Lafreniere or Byfield, who are pretty much the consensus one-two right now, um, they're still going to be getting a really good player at three-four if they end up in the in those uh, draft positions as well. So um, there's that to look forward to. Um, but I don't know what do you what do you think about the Nielsen and Anderson split so far? Because Anderson's played more games and he definitely deserves a bit of a swan song. But it's hard to ignore Nielsen's performances so far. I mean, personally, I'm just keep keeping my eyes on the prize. And, and, and you mentioned the consensus <laughs> one, two at, at the top of the draft. I, I look at that draft. They could get the 15th overall pick and still get a franchise altering flair. That's how good the draft class is. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, if they want to give Anderson a, a nice send off and start him for some more games, then by all means, <laughs> if even if he's not, not the, 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 the best goalie going forward. At, at this point, I. If, if it's a nice gesture, then by all means. It really doesn't affect much in the long term. Um, I, I do agree that if their goal is to give their team the best chance to win games, which, I mean, every player wants that to happen, then uh, I, I agree that giving Nielsen to give the team actually a bit more of a chance in the games is is probably the best way forward, almost certainly, I'd say. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Anderson's not getting any better at his age, and he's been he hasn't really shown any signs of having a bounce back season at all so far no not at all uh, can i can actually pick your brain on something i um everyone's talking about how amazing this 2020 draft class is and to my eyes it it looks incredible um like you were saying could end up with a franchise altering player at 15 um i thought it was really interesting and this is just one person and you, you shouldn't just be trusting one person on their own but um Corey Pronman was talking about just recently i think last week about how the 2020 draft class in his eyes is about average and i don't know if you saw that or not um yeah. i don't know just curious about your thoughts on that because i was kind of taken aback by that and, and and as was i and as was pretty much everybody else in the in uh the, who, who follows this draft class and i mean looking at looking at it from a um a year-to-year perspective it doesn't really have the same kind of generational talent at the top that some draft classes have like you could you could you could argue whether or not Jack Hughes fits that mold from this this past draft, but it doesn't have someone like Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or or uh, Taylor Hall or whoever or Patrick Kane or whatever who kind of spearheads like that. Th- this person is going to change the game. Like you look at Alexis Lafreniere at number one, he doesn't really have any super super flashy elite abilities that will make him like a generational talent like a uh, Crosby or or. Uh, McDavid. So I think that's where most of it is stemming from. Um, the there isn't really one player who kind of go, 
goes way above and beyond everybody else. There's kind of just a whole bunch of amazing players who are all could be franchise-altering players. Um, mostly forwards, I'll add. Um, there is a, a couple defensemen and a goalie even who fit that mold, but um, there just isn't that generational talent that I think is going to um, put it in the history books. But, I mean, if you look at some of the best draft class in, in history as well, uh, what was it, 2003, I think, goes down yeah. in history as the best draft in probably NHL history. I think. Easily, yeah. And the first overall pick that year was Marc-Andre Fleury. And lots of those players, and many of those players at the top who ended up, um, yeah, that, that draft class didn't, didn't really even have a franchise-altering player, or not franchise-altering, but generational talent either. I mean, there were lots of franchise-altering players. I think Brad Marchand, Shea Weber, so many, so many guys in that draft class came out to be incredible players in the league. But um, that's kind of how I see this draft class kind of shaping up to be as well. And uh, there's just so, so much depth at the top. Like, you have... 20 guys who could go in the top 10 most years, or I'd say six guys who could go in the top two most years. It's, 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 really, that, it's really that stacked, and that's the way I kind of look at it. And if the Sens are able to get one pick in that really, really top range, or maybe even a second one from San Jose, you'll get that. That's, that's kind of my outlook on the draft. I know I kind of rambled a bit on there, mm. but I mean, it just really emphasizes the importance of this season of really tanking and getting so many great plays with all the great picks that the Suns have. Yeah, yeah. And and barring some really off-the-board pick, which, I mean, I wouldn't totally rule that out. I know you were joking about that the <laughs> other day on Twitter. Barring that, they sh- really should be ending uh, ending the season by getting, you know, someone who's really going to uh, change their lineup. If they get Lafreniere, Byfield, Lundell, um, Holtz, whatever – one of those guys should be in the lineup next season, and that's going to be huge for them. So, um, you know, this season is is really not going to be the most watchable, but at least we we know that there's something at the end of the season. Um, so what I kind of wanted to talk about now was the very weird trade from a few weeks ago, uh, the Vlad Domestikov deal. That sort of took everyone aback. I was not expecting something like that. It's, it's rare to see... Um, a player trade like this in the first month of the season, the first what week or two of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the full trade was uh Nemesnikov for Nick Ebert and a fourth round pick. And I mean, on the surface level, that's, that's really nothing to give up. I mean, I was intrigued to see what Ebert could do in Belleville, <clears throat> but um, I, I don't think anyone really expected him to be an NHL piece moving forward and a fourth round pick. I mean, I, d- I don't love giving up draft picks, but it's whatever. It's not a huge deal. And, you know, Nemestikov is a, a decent player. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on the deal at the time? And ha- has anything changed in your mind? I mean, as, as, the, as soon as the deal was very first announced that the Sens were acquiring Nemestikov for a pick, I was like, what on earth is the team doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, I assumed it might be one of their three second-round picks for, for the Mesnikov, and uh, that would have just been totally not worth it. But giving up a mm-hmm. fourth and a Ebert, I mean, I disagree with you on Ebert. I, I wasn't even really all that high, high on him coming into the season. And hey, you look at uh, um, Belleville's roster, they don't really need him too much. And he's, he's 25 at this point. He's not really a prospect, but... And then also giving up the fourth round pick, it really isn't much. I mean, look at what the Sens have been doing with their fourth round picks. I mean, if they're going to reach on someone again and 
it, mm-hmm. it really is. And, and, and compare that to someone like Vladislav Nemestikov, who the fact that they're making this so early in the season two, I think speaks or, or I think helps this trade in the sense favor because this gives them some time to uh, rebuild up Nemestikov's value and potentially flip him at the trade deadline. And I, I, th- I think that's going to be a key component to whether the Sens end up winning, quote-unquote, this deal or not, just whether they're able to um, reconcile some value out of that. Because Nemesnikov being in the lineup in and of itself for the Sens has zero value because this season is not, not about winning, it's about tanking. So if they can get um, a draft pick for him instead of just having him play towards the end of the season and walking, then I'd consider that a, a win at this point. Yeah, for sure. And... I think I think it's pretty reasonable to expect um, them maybe getting like a second round pick for him at the deadline, um, and and we've seen so far just in the seven games that he's played for Ottawa, he's already got seven points, um, and obviously he's going to be getting more ice time on this team than he would be. Um, I guess I, I I wasn't sure how much ice time he got in the couple games he played with the Rangers, but um, nevertheless he he's had a really good start, and I think. I would honestly be fine if Ottawa wanted to keep him at least for like a few seasons, not a long-term deal, maybe like a two to three year deal. Um, you know, he, he is a fine third line player. I, I wouldn't expect him to be a top six player. Um, you know, once Ottawa actually tries to be good, but he does have a, a positive defensive impact throughout his career. Oh, the guy is, uh, a, the guy's a stud defensively. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's valuable on the third line. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, and, like, I, I would totally be fine with them keeping him. Um, they're, they're, they're sort of bringing in a lot of guys who actually could be pretty damn valuable players in the bottom six, um, you know, when they're actually tr- going to try to be good. Obviously, it will depend on if they actually keep the right guys uh, because they've, they've had a lot of trouble doing that in the past. So, you know, I think whether they move him for more than they traded him for or they, they re-sign him for two to three seasons, I think it's probably a good thing. Um, the only thing is I really hope they end up moving someone like uh, Artem Anisimov or Chris Tierney mm-hmm. um, you know, bef- before the trade de- deadline as well at least just to open up another spot for a prospect because that was my main beef with the Nemestikov deal at the time, just because it really clogged clogged up the lineup. Um, so, you know, I, I do like him as a player. Um, I just sort of hope they can move someone else out of the roster because it, it's really clogged right now, and it's making it really hard. And we'll, we'll get into this later, but um, it, it's making it really hard for prospects to come up just because there's, there's no room. Well, <laughs> and you look at what the team's... Uh thinking of this message and, and apparently they're trying to go out and get another veteran similar yeah. to Nemestikov and I don't know what their what their plan is with that maybe they want to try and find an, another good deal like that I know they got Nemestikov on the cheap because he he kind of wanted out of New York he wasn't really a good match for him but I, I don't know maybe there's another player out there maybe Josh Hosang I wouldn't be opposed to that personally if, if they give up uh, I can never I, there's no chance Otto goes after him <laughs> I would love it but yeah. there's no chance I I as much as, as as I want to be, I I kind of have to agree there. But <laughs> I, I mean, they they're looking for another another forward, and it just isn't really going to help with uh, making room on the roster. I mean, they they are they are dealing with some injuries, and also they're right up against the contract limit too. They're at forty nine mm-hmm. contracts right now out of fifty, and yep. and uh, losing that flexibility could. Uh, um, I I actually don't really know what it might mean in the future. If I, only could... there was one guy they didn't have to sign a contract. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. Scott Sabron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned this, this uh, uh, briefly, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been very pleased with Nemestikov's game so far. I feel like he, he's been there in some games, and he's been kind of average on some others, but... Um, Seven point seven games. I mean, it's it's quite early in the season. Uh, how he does, he'll keep that up. I mean, he he did have that great run on Tampa Bay that they. Uh, but I mean, he was on a line with Nemestikov or Nemestikov with with Kucherov and Stamko. So yeah, exactly. Suns don't have those types of players to to pair him with. So I don't really see mm-hmm. that happening. But yeah, he, he he's a guy. He's a Russian. That's he's that. a guy he ottawa's just stockpiling as many third line players as they can or i guess maybe like second and third line tweeners and <laughs> it's actually kind of funny to see um but uh yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what their plan is for him because yeah th- this trade really came out of the blue um yeah but why don't we talk about one of the injuries that you mentioned um just recently and that's the the colin white injury so he'll be out for the next three to five weeks um and a corresponding move, I guess yesterday it would have been, uh, was to call up Logan Brown. And, you know, Brown looked okay in that time. Um, but, yeah, what, uh, do you see any side effects of, uh, of Colin White's injury? And, uh, yeah, just, just what, what do you see uh, happening over the next three to five weeks and once he comes back? Um, I mean, this is a good trout for Logan Brown. Um, we'll see how long he actually sticks around for. I know they have J.C. Baudet up as well. <laughs> we'll see uh, which <laughs> the two sticks around. But um, uh, it's, it's kind of just a waiting and seeing at this point because the, the the way they've been handling prospects so far has been a bit suspect. I mean, calling up Abramov and sending him right back down. Uh, there was another guy, that did, uh, Drake Batherson at, at the beginning of the Schlopic season. too. Philip Schlopic. Um, they're just calling up guys and sending them back, sending them back down. So, so Logan Brent was called up yesterday. He could very well be sent back down tomorrow, and it wouldn't surprise me. Or he could mm-hmm. also stay up for the next three to five weeks and, and play himself into a position to take a roster spot when White comes back. So um, at the same time, I feel like that uh, um, he, he was doing well in Belleville, and I feel, feel like him and Batherson really need to uh, um, get some consistency under their feet down there. So it's it's not exactly like I'm, I'm fully convinced he's a full-time NHLer yet. Um but yeah, it, it's a good opportunity for him. It's 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 unfortunate for White because White just hasn't uh, uh, had all that great to a start of the season, and and of course they just signed him to a new long term contract too. So for him to get injured right away just isn't really a good sign. But uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it's definitely been a lackluster start for White, and I was thinking about his contract the other day too, and it was just sort of like, oh man, what if? What if we really overestimated him and, you know, he signed for the next six years and he's just going to be, I mean, what is it? it it's 4.75, right? Yeah, right around there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, th- that's not going to be a huge albatross of a contract because I think he at least has uh, a, a baseline level where he's going to be, you know, I would say at least a third liner. But, um, yeah, your, your mind sort of takes you down some dark paths early on in the season when when a guy isn't producing and hopefully some of that was due to a nagging injury the, the one he has now um but yeah he hadn't looked great and you wonder how much of that um lackluster play was due to not having stone by his side um and obviously we know the impact that mark stone has on players and we know that um he wouldn't have done 
just as well uh, last season if he wasn't playing with Stone. Then again, I, I do think White is better than this, and I think that he, um, I think that he can be a, a perfectly fine second line. Well, I don't know if perfectly fine. I think he can be a, a really solid defensive center, and whether that's on the second or third line uh, is to be determined. He's obviously not a first line player like he's he's been. It's just Ottawa's a terrible team. Um, but yeah, like you said, I. I really hope Ottawa gives Brown a proper opportunity. Um, he couldn't get a ton of ice time last night because of some penalties, but yeah, hopefully they they're not just gonna send him back down after a couple games. Because honestly, uh, I don't know if we want to get into this right now, but um, it just it just seems kind of pointless to me. Yeah, I mean, going back to White for a second, I mean, he's only played eight games so far this season. Which is like a very small sample size. Like for sure, in the context of like statistics, one season can still be considered a pretty small sample size. So, eight, eight games is is really not all that much to go off of. And I mean, players go through good and bad stretches. So, and we know that what was actually playing through his injury for at least a couple of those games too. So, um, I'm really not going to take a whole lot of thought into what that might mean for White's future at this point. Um, just uh, hopefully for a good recovery. Hoping for a good recovery. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, if he can end up being that solid second line center, I mean, that deal is already worth it. So um, mm-hmm. it's good that they were able to get him at that number. Yeah, no, for sure. And and like you said, eight games, it's nothing. It's I'm obviously not going to be willing to call this contract bad just yet. Uh, it'll take a while for me for me to fully have that opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I think long term they'll be fine. Hopefully he uh, there's no lingering effects once he comes back. Um, yeah, and so we we've mentioned this uh, this a couple times so far. And what I wanted to talk about next was the rookies in Belleville. Um, just just I guess the whole situation with their prospects uh, down in the AHL and and how they've been handling them this season because it I don't know it it, it really. I'm honestly kind of flabbergasted with with some um, sentiments this season. It seems like people all of a sudden switched their philosophy in terms of prospects. Um, it, it sometimes feels like I'm the the only one uh, who wants to call some of these guys up, um, like Brown, Batherson, Schlopik, Paul, uh, whomever. And I don't think I I'm not advocating for every single prospect to be called up, but I do think it's kind of pointless to have every single prospect down in Belleville, especially when guys like Abramov, Davidson, Verno, they've all been scratched down in Belleville at points because there's literally no room in the lineup. And that is, that's just not good for development. I mean, the whole point of going down to Belleville is supposedly that they're getting more ice time, getting, you know, time to work on their mistakes and things like that, but they can't really work on their, game and and you know try to get fewer mistakes if they're not in the lineup or if they're on the fourth line something so it's i i i do think there is something as too many players or too many prospects in the lineup um it's i guess i'd rather have this problem than having not enough prospects obviously but i just think that there's ottawa's too veteran heavy right now which is wild because by the end of last season we were penciling in, you know, half of Belleville's current lineup into the NHL. And 
what what do they have now? They have Brandstrom, uh, Brown, and Bodan. And Bodan isn't even really a prospect. So they have three guys in the lineup, and they had only one a week ago, and that was Brandstrom. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with the sentiment that, like, the, the goal of, of these guys all playing in Belleville is so that they get the ice time to uh, develop and work on their game and, and and build up their confidence against some lesser competition aside from the NHL. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's not like the, uh, it's not like they really have too many prospects. I mean, they, they still have the room to give these guys ice time. I just feel like there's a lot less margin for error as there was last season, where um, where, where they'd just be able to play guys in the top six, and then the rest of the roster would just fill it with veterans. I mean, they, they still have lots of guys that still need ice time. And uh, at the same time, I mean, it's, it's also worth giving some credit to to for. Uh, uh, Detroit man for at least putting these guys up in the lineup and look at some past coaching regime, regimes from Belleville who like would flat out refuse to do that and would just have um, mm-hmm. all the veterans at the top and guys like Logan Brown and Drake Batherson who are on the first line consistently would would never have had that on the past on the past team. Um, at the same time, like there's also just a lot less margin for error right now. And if you look at guys on Belleville like <laughs> Bodin, who's in the NHL now, but he I mean, he shouldn't even be playing in the AHL, and someone like Joseph Labate, who is essentially a grinder verging on, on enforcer in, in the AHL, getting, he's, he's getting games over guys like uh, Jonathan Davidson, um, Vitaly Abramov was scratched for a game. Um, who mm-hmm. else is there? Max Verano has barely played as well. Um, There's they're still room to get all these guys in the roster and give them some decent playing time if they can give their top three lines um, pretty split amount of time, then I, th- I still consider that some decent development. But, um, yeah, uh, th- there's just been some moves that just really have been a bit more head-scratching. I mean, I mentioned the Ab- Abramov uh, <laughs> being healthy scratch for a game due to a couple turnovers uh, yeah. he made that, <laughs> that, 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 that really rubs. That bugs me. It, that bugs me, too, when, when, when coaches do that after a big mistake and, I mean, the mistake stands out, whereas other players may have made a whole bunch more small mistakes. And and not to say that these guys have actually been playing extremely well either. I mean, uh, guys like Schlappick have been pretty silent so far. I think he just got his first point of the season just a couple nights ago. And even even Abramov, he hasn't really been able to find his stride as much as I would have liked him to. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's up to... This is why they're in the AHL, is to work through these mistakes within games and to get that... Uh, and to get that coaching and to get that practice, and if they do make mistakes in the AHL, it doesn't matter because it's yeah, it, 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 that's all part of the learning process. And then they know next time not to do that. So um, whether or not they've they've crossed a line, quote unquote, as as I've seen some some put it, I, it's 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 super early. Again, it's it's only like seven eight games, I think even less for Belleville in the season. And if these guys have made some mistakes, I mean, players go through bad stretches all the time. And even last year, Drake Batherson went through a rough stretch of about 10 games where he only had a few points. And it just it happens to everybody. So, um, I mean, it's, it's too bad that this is happening to, to Belleville at this point. I mean, the team hasn't been able to win games, especially due to their defense. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, there's just some – there's some smaller moves where they just are really not uh, being as efficient as they could be. Yeah, and I mean, I just <clears throat> like you were mentioning, I the HL is supposed to be a development league and the whole point of it is so that 
I mean, sure, I obviously Belleville wants to win games. Man, that's his that's his whole job. He, he's trying to win games, and obviously he wants to develop the prospects too. I'm sure that's one of his mandates. But first and foremost, I'm sure he just would rather win the game. Um, but at the same time, like, if one guy makes one mistake, sure, it's different if it's in the NHL. Like, there, there's less margin for error. There's, you know, you're held to a higher standard. In the AHL, the the whole point is that you're you're learning you're making mistakes but you're also learning and you're improving. You can't improve if you're out of the lineup. Um and I just I I don't know. I, I found that a lot of people are very quick to judge. You, you've been saying it's early on in the season and that's what I've been saying to other people too is that um you know th- these guys have been called up to the NHL Schlopik, Abramov, Batherson, Brown. Um they, they've all been up there and They've all been sent back down after, you know, a couple games. And sure, did, I mean, yeah, did they necessarily look amazing? No. And that should be okay, though, because this season really, they're going to be terrible no matter what. Even if these guys are producing in the NHL, Ottawa's still going to be terrible. So I think it's, I think by the end of the season, if Ottawa hasn't integrated a few of these guys into the lineup, I honestly see this season as a failure, even if they do end up with Lafreniere or Byfield. I just, I, I don't think they can afford to go into next season without knowing which of these, at least a few of these guys, which of them can actually be in the NHL, on the NHL roster come October, uh, a year from now. Yeah. And it's it just... A lot of people are, are talking about, oh, they didn't work hard enough, and, and maybe that's true. I don't think a lot of us can really know that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with giving a guy a, a 10 to 15 game trial, um, see how he does, and if he fails, then you send it back down. I don't think that's really going to do too much to his confidence. That That's sort of been a narrative of, oh, he's going to lose confidence. Well, he can just go back down. He doesn't have to spend the entire year struggling in the NHL and you know, giving someone a trial isn't like giving them anything for free. It's it just because if he fails by the end of it, you just send him back down. You don't have to ever have to call him up if, if you don't want to. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I feel like they're being very harsh on their prospects for a handful of mistakes and, you know, a few bad shifts or whatever it is. And it's just weird to me for a team that is in the middle of this massive rebuild and there's, frankly, not enough spots uh, in the NHL and the AHL. And they need to figure out which prospects are real and which ones are not. And they haven't figured out anything so far, which I don't think they necessarily would have, even if they were in the NHL. But they got to find out at least by the end of the season. And one player that comes to mind, if, if uh, you mentioned getting in, players integrated into the lineup, I, f- I think of Rudolf Spalser's last season and the way that he was integrated into the lineup near the end of the season. I feel like that's a mm-hmm. good a good model of what they should be trying to do with these prospects. Cause I, I don't know if you remember, but, but Balser's in his first few games, he really didn't stand out all that all that well either, just like some of these guys have, like uh, Batherson and, and, and Schlappick and and I guess uh, Abramov just hasn't really stood out too much in their first few games either. And then by the end, he, he started to get a foothold on what it's like to be in the NHL for uh, for over a week and and, uh, and and started to play a lot better. And he, he, he had a consistent role in the top nine by the end of last season. And so I think I think that's what it's 
is going to take. It's going to it's going to require some patience, um, both on the part of um, Troy Mann and especially DJ Smith once to get into the NHL. Um, but yeah, the the other the last uh, small point I want to kind of bring up is that in the AHL, like they're pretty stocked with forwards right now. But I mean, in, as much as that kind of bumps out some guys of the lineup, I mean, it's also kind of considered a strength in the AHL, just by the way the league is structured. Like the way the way these are these games are scheduled, they'll play three four games over the weekends in a, in just a short very short span of a few days. So it's very mm-hmm. common that. Um, players will get scratched from games just out of um, just out of being tired from playing so uh, frequently and having to travel uh, so quickly between games and um, yeah, I, I, that can also be a good thing of uh, having these these um, just so many forwards and just being being able to utilize that correctly I think is going to be uh, important for Belleville if they want to have a successful season developing prospects yeah no for sure and that's you know, in, in previous seasons, Belleville's slash Binghamton's depth had been terrible. And mm-hmm. that's obviously a good thing. You you want to see them succeed. Um, they haven't so far, but I, I think they're going to be a lot better moving forward. Um, but, um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I would just like to see DJ Smith, Pierre Dorian, you know, give some of these prospects a chance. Just, just a trial, like I said. Um, and hopefully by the end of the season... We have a bit more clarity. Um, got a long way to go in the season. We're still in October, so it's it's not the end of the world right now. And the good news is, worst case scenario, they're I don't think they're going to ruin any of these prospects by keeping them in Belleville. It's just, you know, I I just want to see them in the NHL as soon as possible um, and and playing well. Uh, but who knows when when we'll get that? Um, <laughs> I wanted to move on to things that we're feeling good about so far in the season. And <laughs> we, we started off the show by, by mentioning that, you know, they're, they're two, six and one hasn't been that entertaining of a start to the season, but there, I think there's a few things that we can feel good about so far. What, what are some of the things that you're feeling good about? I mean, for me, I mean, we, we, we mentioned Vladislav Nemesnikov before and, and he's had a good start, but I mean, the two core pieces, Thomas Shabbat, Brady Kachuk, they've been the pillars of this team so far. And that's what they need to be, and it's good to see that they're kind of they're 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 still playing up to the standards that we were expecting them to, and even surpassing that too. Tom Shabbat has been pretty amazing so far this year, and same with Brady Kachuk, who's been the pillar of the team's first line and creating offense for them. So, the, just the fact that those two are continuing to play well, and that Kachuk is not having a sophomore slump or anything like that, is I think a very good sign. I mean, Kachuk is what only he's only twenty years old at this point. Uh, he, he's 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 younger than a lot of the guys that are playing in Belleville that we just talked about. So, um, mm-hmm. the two key pieces for the Sens going forward. Those that is good that they're playing well. Um, but besides that, I mean, it really gets dicey after that. Uh, do you do you have anything else that you want to add to that? Because for me, that's really yeah. I mean, so, so you mentioned the three: Kachuk, Shabbat, and Mestikov. Those are the obvious ones. I've been really impressed by JG Peugeot. Um, it seems like he definitely has a bit more a bit more spring in his step. Um, he has, I don't have the numbers. Let me look it up. How many he's got? Um, yeah, six points in, in nine games. Pretty good for him. Um, has, has just looked a lot like, like last season, you could kind of tell that the injury was, uh, was lingering for him. So, um, yeah, I I think you have to be happy with his start so far. I've been 
decently impressed with Connor Brown. I know he hasn't scored yet, but he does have a lot of assists. He's got, I believe, seven in nine games. Um, and he, he sort of fits into that mold of, I think he can be like a competent third line player. He's still young at 26. So, you know, he, he might be worth keeping around uh, if he... Um, if he's willing to re-sign for not a huge deal. And, yeah. And correct, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure he actually leads the sense forwards in time on ice right now, which is, Does he? A, which is, a, I mean, a bit surprising <laughs> given, wow. I mean, he's Connor Brown and he was playing like fourth line on the lease last year, but I mean, he played for DJ Smith last year. He's been playing consistently on the first line. It's actually been, it's kind of funny. It's, it's, it's been less so, Brady Kachuk anchoring it or or holding the top line spot. It's been more so Connor Brown. Whoever's playing with Connor Brown seems to be the first one right now with DJ Spins, Wow. So. Yeah, he's got he's averaging exactly twenty minutes a night. And before this, in his four seasons in Toronto, he he was averaging fifteen. So that's a huge jump in five minutes uh, per game. And yeah, I mean, I I don't think he's like he's a very limited player, but. I think he had some value, so I, I've been decently impressed with him so far. Yeah, and I, I guess my list kind of comes to an end there. I mean, the last thing I'm feeling good about is the team's lottery odds, which we've discussed <laughs> at length. So I guess that kind of transitions to what we're uh, not so feeling, not not feeling so good about this year. Any uh, any outstanding issues you think with this team so far? Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, the the tangents I was going on earlier. The, the main thing I'm not feeling great about is the player usage and their development. Um, you know, I sort of said, said my whole point back then, so I don't need to reiterate that. Um, I guess another one, Colin White, we touched on that earlier. Um, hopefully he gets back to his old self when he comes back from injury. Um, Artem Anisimov, I mean, he's been pretty invisible. Uh, Anthony Duclair finally scored his second goal. So he's, he's got two points in nine games scored last night. Um, but hasn't been, I mean, he's showed some flashes. He's definitely a flashy player. That's, that's kind of who he is, but the, the lack of production isn't great, especially considering, you know, he's, he's been given uh, some top six minutes and he, I mean, he, he only has a one year contract, so he, he really has to impress the centers this season. So um, haven't been too impressed with him so far. Um, but yeah, do you have some others? For me, the biggest disappointment has been, well, not disappointment, but I mean, it, it just, just someone who's been overplayed, I think is Nikita Zaitsev. And he's been paired with Shabbat for pretty much the entire, uh, um, and pretty much the entire time the Sens have been playing right now, and he, yeah, he's just getting insane minutes. He's play, I think he's actually in the top 30, 30 in the league right now in, in minutes per game, <laughs> and behind behind Shabbat, of course. But um, I just haven't really been impressed with that pairing. He just hasn't. Uh, he's better than CC. I'll put that out there. <laughs> but uh, it's not like he's been able to. Um, he, it's not like he's actually been a, a solid first pairing partner for him he, he just seems to not really have as much control with the puck his on ice results just haven't been been too good either so yeah i just kind of hope that some the sons can at least find someone who can play with shabbat and maybe that person is dylan DeMello, or maybe that dylan DeMello, 100 100 i think we were both on board with dylan DeMello being paired back with shabbat but uh yeah i'm just not really sure what they see in sites of that get, warrants him playing like what is it? Is like over 22, 23 minutes a night. He's at so uh, Zaitsev's averaging uh, twenty four, twenty four, and twenty four minutes and sixteen seconds. Yeah, that's that's too much for Nikita Zaitsev in my opinion. Yeah, so. that's a lot. Yeah, that's uh, 
yeah, he, he's second on the team, four minutes ahead of, of Brown um, in ice time. So that is a lot. Um, yeah, were there any others um, feeling bad about or no? Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, the special teams have really not been good either. It took them so long to score in the power yeah. play. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's just getting, um, it's just getting used to DJ Smith's system. Uh, their penalty kill as well has been giving up a, a monstrous amount of shots against even though it's been kind of middle of the pack in terms of actually killing off penalties. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> Again, honestly, we could just be flipping these two ways between good and bad based on what, what our goals are for the tank. But at the same time... Uh, exactly, yeah. 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 Uh, if, I if, mean, if we're talking about just strictly honest performance, I mean, that's something that really is yeah. really going to need some working on. Mm-hmm. Do you have any... Um... Are you leaning any way whatsoever? I know it's really early on, but leaning any way whatsoever in terms of uh, DJ Smith and how you feel about him? I'm not going to say too much at this point. It's still super early. Uh, Yeah, it's very early. His his post-game quotes are exactly what you'd expect from a coach. Just work hard, (laughs) uh, get pucks deep. I don't know. (laughs) It's it's really just typical coach fodder. So I'm not going to really comment too much on that now especially with with a rebuilding team i mean nothing really matters until they're actually trying to make the playoffs like maybe they they're they're definitely not going to try to make the playoffs next season or or at least they won't be able to and like maybe there's a chance the year after that but that might be pushing it so it'll it'll still be a while oh yeah i'm i'm keeping my expectations pretty low right now yeah um so yeah uh, last thing before we get into some listener questions um just a, a discussion on what you think their direction should be going going forward this season like what uh in terms of i guess player usage and in in terms of like winning and the standings what, what do you think they should be trying to do the rest of the season i mean i think we've, we've both been pretty clear on this so far this episode we just really yeah. we, we're, we're, <laughs> we're gunning for that traffic yeah <laughs> gunning for gunler yeah <laughs> But, uh, I think it's minefield for byfield is the other one. <laughs> it's, oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> we're going all in on those draft picks, and I'm going to continue yeah. w- w- doing uh, work on my draft stuff if if that interests you. But um, that's oh definitely that, that's going to be uh, that's that's going to be my main focus this season is is <laughs> where they are for the standings and, and how close are they going to be to the bottom. And I don't know. Are, are you feeling any different? Do you, do you feel like there is still? Uh, uh, do, do you still think that there's should be at least some work on the roster. Well, I mean, I think in terms of um, giving prospects a chance, I, th- I think that's the work that needs to be done. I-, I don't think they should be making any outside trades. Like we were mentioning earlier about how Friedman was saying that they're looking for another veteran forward. So hopefully they don't do that. Um, but yeah, definitely like if they're, if they're making a move, if they, you know, still give Anderson a lot of starts I'm not going to get upset just because that'll help the tank so it's it, it's not a huge deal at, at the end of the at the end of the day so um yeah I, I think no matter what they're going to be ending up with a top five pick so I think they should be fine yeah and I guess uh, because we're the cost for point cast we always need to touch on this but I mean in, in terms of direction going forward I mean who knows? Maybe a sale is imminent too. It seems like. Uh, Who knows? <laughs> it, it, it seems like, uh, honestly, I mean, th- th- there was there was word coming out just uh, in the past week, I believe, that th- that the league is is helping Melnick um, find prospective buyers for the team. So, there you go. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> there's been smoke for a few <laughs> a few years now, so let's just hope. Uh, yeah. Let's hope we get. It's that literally smoke. almost been two years since that. Uh, it, it's. Since <sighs> since when he was had that initial like since the hashtag Melnick out uh, thing began, it's literally almost been two years. Man, what a two years it's been. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, fond memories. Um, should we get into the uh, listener questions? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we got some great listener questions. Um, we uh, you can submit them on our Twitter account at, at CP Pointcast. Um, we're gonna go through. We have some good listener questions today. Uh, first one comes from uh, Gab La France. Uh, this is a two-parter. Uh, first one, uh, what should the Sens do about Belleville's weak defense? Maybe pick up a defenseman on waivers or uh, trade and return one of uh, Branstrom or Globef down to help out? And the second part is, uh, where do you think Balters will fit in his imminent return? So do you want to start with the first one? Yes, I know Belleville, they brought back Stuart Percy, correct, I believe? It was Stuart, yeah, it was Stuart Percy. on a Yeah, Percy. Yeah, and they also... I think I believe there was I should know who this is, but I believe they brought they signed somebody else. So um, I know they did that to <laughs> address some of their uh, weak defense. I don't know how much that'll actually do, um, but yeah, that will. I think they'll be pretty thin on defense throughout the season, especially because I mean there hasn't been an injury yet, and you know there's going to be oh, there, an injury or two were, throughout the season. There, there were injuries. So. Andreas England just went down with an injury, and no, sorry, I, I mean, I mean Ottawa. Oh right, with Ottawa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if Ottawa gets an injury, they're gonna have to call somebody up. They're gonna have to call up Lajoie or Yaros or something like that. Um, so they're really gonna be decimated. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they'll. Dorian hasn't been afraid to to make a lot of belleville trades in the past couple seasons so i'm sure there'll be a couple small moves throughout the year especially with uh moving out ebert now they're now they're even uh thinner back there um and then second part balsers i i can't imagine him getting sent back down to belleville just because like you were saying earlier he was he was integrated into the lineup at the end of the season and i i feel like ottawa owes it to him to to have a spot um, on, I, I would put him on the third line. Um, they, they've sort of used that fourth line as a bit of a, a throwaway just because it's had Sabaran a lot of the time. So hopefully Balsers gets on that third line because I think he deserves it. And I think he, um, you know, can, can show, can show, take a step forward this season. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they'll end up sending him down to the AHL just for just for a try, just to get his feet back under himself. Cause, I mean, this is it is not really mm-hmm. all that imminent yet either for his return. I mean, he's still he's still out for I, I think another month, right? I I can't, I, can't, I can't even remember the timeline. I'm not but, sure. I haven't I haven't actually seen much on that. But yeah, and, and for Belleville's defense, I mean, it's been what's been losing them games. And last season, they they did make some small moves as well to ship out some depth forwards and we talked about the surplus of forwards so maybe that could even help them mm-hmm. um snag a defenseman or two in a trade a, a veteran someone like Goalbeff who I I keep forgetting he's even in Ottawa he hasn't even played a game no, I know he hasn't played a game he hasn't right what a game yet so I mean I, yeah I, I I don't know it, it's it, it's it, it, the thing is is like they've been losing games but it's all really been because of the defense and some kind of suspect goaltending as well so it's not like the forwards. Uh, well, we mentioned them earlier. I think it's not like they've really been the the main problem of of them losing or anything. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, next question. This one comes from Alex. So it's tank season. Yes, Alex. We're all in tank season right now. We were, were full on the tank train. <laughs> so he he asks, uh, what are your thoughts on the kids are all in Belleville? 
<laughs> which uh, and in the addition to Bell's little slow start. Yeah, we we've sort of touched on this throughout the episode. Uh, I I've I've said w- w- what I believe, and I I think Belleville will get better throughout the season. Um, but I do think it would serve some of those prospects well if they got called up to Ottawa at some point. You know, e- even if you're just calling up, say, Batherson and uh, Schlopik or something like that, I, I think that would be really good for for their development. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about their, uh, their slow start and, you know, hopefully Hogberg and, and Gustafson can be better in that because that's, that's key here because goaltending can sink a season. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to add to that really. <laughs> anyway, yeah. like, getting on to the next, uh, couple questions. Uh, we have a few from, from, uh, at 24 Nizzle, uh, first one. <laughs> Uh, have Callahan or Gabrick stepped foot in the Capitals since the trade? And I'm just going to go ahead and say it's very unlikely. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Callahan is is even uh, is is it Callahan or Gabrick's doing broadcast work? It's, is, I'm pretty sure. I think it's Callahan. It's Callahan. And then Gabrick, yeah. I, I also saw he, he he was doing some other media thing as well recently. Well, I mean, Gabrick Gabbert played in games for Auto. <laughs> yeah. Forget this. <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my gosh, like, I I keep forgetting that too. But it just, yeah. He okay. Wait, let me look up because he had. Yeah, so <laughs> not bad. He had seven points in sixteen games, uh, two seasons ago for them. I mean, it just seems like he's pretty much retired at this point, collecting some checks. So, <laughs> I mean, yes, he yeah, yeah he is. Um, uh, second question, yeah. uh, from uh, Nisi: Do goalie prospects require elite attendee coaches to succeed? Uh, Emery and Leonard only. Had two six uh, two success stories in Ottawa. Those are the only two success stories. Uh, maybe Brian Elliott. Um, I don't know any thoughts on that because I really don't have have I, much. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't agree with that premise. I mean, Craig Anderson exists. Uh, ben Bishop was here before he had like fully broken out. So no, I I, I don't I don't really uh, think they need an elite goaltending coach. Uh, I think that probably helps, especially if you're maybe. Um, you know, maybe if you're a bit jaded and you um, have lost some, conf- some confidence or something like that, but I think for the most part, your your skill is gonna gonna take you where you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I pretty much agree with that too. Um, I I really don't know too much about goaltending to be honest, and th- yeah, and, and it, the, not a lot of people do. And the, the sense goaltending coach has been around with them for a, a long time too. I'm pretty sure, right? Uh, he was yeah he, he at was, least he, like he was, five seasons or something he was the only he was the only uh coach that they actually retained um yeah it's, it's been four seasons but he was the only coach that they retained uh after they hired after they fired every other coach last season so I'll, I'll take that as as a good point of confidence from the team that he's actually doing something decent um and his, yeah his last question are the san jose sharks the sense of 2017 2018 <laughs> i mean <laughs> they i believe they won tonight they were at least they were winning yeah so they beat montreal tonight 4-2 they're up to 4-5 and 1 which obviously isn't great but uh you know they they got off to a bad start but they're much better than they've they've showed and i'd like to believe that you know maybe there's a chance that they missed barely missed the playoffs and then uh ottawa ends up with another lottery pick i mean that would just be cosmic justice honestly but you know you, you can't expect that as a Sens fan I think there's a still 
still a realistic scenario where San Jose finishes sort of around where Columbus did last year. So maybe Ottawa ends up with like 19th or 20th, which would still be a pretty good pick in this draft. So no, they're not 2017-18 Senators, but that's still going to be a decent, decently valuable draft pick. Yeah, and I mean that there's... There's too many good players in San Jose for me to ever count them out. Yeah. Like, I'm just l- looking at their roster right here, and they have guys like Kevin LeBanc and, and Timo Meyer, and Joe Thornton is, is still... <laughs> Hurdle. Uh, Tom, Tom, Tomas Hurdle is still playing well. I, I mean, yeah, they, they, they've... Eric Krause and Brent, they, and Brent Burns. I mean, there's, there's too many good mm-hmm. players to ever really count them out. Kane, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's... As much as I hope, <laughs> and, and I mean, Martin Jones may... <laughs> helped sends out a little bit in that in that sense but uh uh yeah i i, I have uh it's, it's just a few games they're they're already, already they're already on the way to recovering from their slow start so yeah and don't get me wrong i'll be cheering hard against them throughout the season um but yeah i, I wouldn't get my my expectations up um so last one comes in from pw justin uh he says say we get the first overall pick and you've got Lafreniere or Byfield sitting in front of you. How badly do you need a 1C versus the brackets slightly better winger? So uh, who, who are you taking if you get that first overall pick? I am super torn on this, honestly, but I'm going with Alexis Lafreniere. That's my pick. He is off to such an incredible... He, he, he had such an amazing year in the QMJHL last year. He's already the leader in the QMJHL this year for scoring by a mile. Mm-hmm. It, it's he's absolutely insane in, in in every aspect of his game. He just um, the way some scouts uh, I, I've talked to have put it is he just plays the game right. There's absolutely like no flaw in his game that would hold him back from ever not becoming an elite first line player. That uh, mm-hmm. is always at the top of the NHL leaderboards. Like there's again he's not. I mentioned that earlier. He's not. He's not a generational talent in that sense. He doesn't have. Um, he isn't quite at the same speed as someone like Connor McDavid, um, but he just has, he, he evades pressure better than me, better than almost everybody in the NHL already. Um, and I, I think it just really speaks to how ahead of his age he, he's, or, he's already playing right now on uh, in pretty much every aspect. So as much as I, I love Byfield as a player too, I, I'd be just as happy with Byfield at number one as well. And filling up that center position is very important, but I mean... Lafreniere, uh, he he's kind of he he's my pick at this point, but I, I I'm it's it's not it's it, that could definitely change that could very well change from now until draft day. Yeah, and for context, for people who haven't been looking up his stats every single day, um, <laughs> Lafreniere is up to thirty five points in fourteen games. That's exactly two and a half points per game. That is just ridiculous. And um, the two of his. Uh, line mates are right behind him in league scoring 34 and 29 points that's obviously because they're playing oh, yeah. with him but for for the next highest player who isn't on Ramuski uh he's got 25 points in 13 <laughs> games so 10 fewer points um so yeah definitely a huge gap there and yeah I, I think this will be a really interesting debate because Byfield's a bit lower he had what is he? I don't know if he had a game recently. So he still he's leads. Up to he still leads the OHL in scoring. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got so he's got twenty seven points in thirteen games, which is still over two points a game. That's ridiculous. Um, and he's like the team he's on isn't very offensive. So 
Um, I think that has to be taken into consideration too when comparing their numbers. So they're they're actually pretty close in terms of um, offensive production. And I think you could make a case that taking him would be better than Lafreniere just because, I mean, Ottawa really needs that first line center unless you're really high on Logan Brown, which I, there's an outside chance he ends up being a first line center. I don't know if that's like a top first line center though. And I think, you know, having that one C with Byfield is really valuable. Then again, um, I don't think you can discount the fact that Lafreniere just might end up being the better player, even though he's a winger and you know, you usually go with best player available. So in that sense, like I almost would rather have the second overall pick just so that Ottawa doesn't have to make that decision. And I don't have to think about that. Like wondering, Oh, what if they, you know, if they would take one and then I end up wondering, Oh, what if they took the other one? You know, it's just, Oh, that, that might be a headache. Also, another huge factor worth taking into consideration is that Lafreniere is, is pretty much a full year older than Quinton Byfield. Yeah, but Byfield's, yeah he is. Byfield is one of the youngest players in the draft. Lafreniere is one of the oldest. Uh, at the same time, Lafreniere won the, the, Q, the, the not QMJHL, but the entire CHL MVP award last year as a draft minus one player, which is totally unheard of. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, just to speak to how deep this draft class is, Lafreniere leads the QMJHL in scoring Byfield leads the OHL in scoring, and the WHL scoring leader is Connor Zari, who's also a 2020 draft eligible player. He's currently, I think, 20th ranked prospect oh. right now, and he's leading the WHL in scoring. So, th- just get hyped about this draft. The, the hype around this draft is warranted. It, it is very real, uh, no matter what Prodman says. Sorry, Corey Prodman. We, we still love you. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> this, this class, I mean, just, just get hyped and they have yeah it's yeah yeah, no i mean i don't know if ottawa is gonna get either one of those players but there there's at least a decent chance that they get one of them and even if they don't they're gonna be getting a a good player so it's um that i think we're gonna be saying this pretty much like every episode you know this season it's tough it's gonna be a slog we don't have uh you know, Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne and these other guys to, to, to even watch during the season, but at least get that prize at the end of the season. So there's something to look forward to. As I wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cosper Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can find me on Twitter at Cudmore Cullen and read my articles at Silver Seven Cents. And for Trevor, you can follow him on Twitter at ShackTS. And if you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, shoot us a message on Twitter at CP Pointcast. That's all for today, folks. Adios.